I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric at home of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. All right, this is The Big Douglas Show. It is an opposition Wednesday, 92. Chris Baker is in the co-host chair today. Swaggy, what's happening? What's going on, bro? Ain't nothing. And here to get us caught up, our special guest is Kelsey Charles. Kelsey, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, y'all. Absolutely. Kelsey hosts the uh, Star at Night program for Dallas.com and also the Girls Chat and Boys podcast. And we're excited to have you on Chop It Up a little bit. Uh, it is uh, a quick turnaround. Chris, I'm curious from you on this one. It's, uh, it's a Tuesday night game that Washington finishes up. We're going to turn around and play a Sunday game. From a player perspective, I mean, what is this doing to the timeline, getting ready for a game here? It's terrible. Um, you know, I hate the fact that we couldn't just uh, reschedule the game for maybe like the last game of the season. Just just schedule another game. I mean, what is it to push back a playoff game a week later than what we already expected, you know? Um, to, to force these guys to have to come to work and to play in order to get paid instead of just getting a regular paid week. Um, is it really about the player safety? You know, like it's already hard enough for players to get ready for a game from Sunday to Sunday. Now they have a game on Tuesday and then turn around and have to play another game on Sunday. It'd be interesting to see how many um, more injuries happen on such a short week when we play the game on Sunday. Because guys' bodies aren't prepared to play without no rest. And there's no rest in between the games. Yeah, I remember you told me one time that you guys darn even like, but by the time the meds wear off, it's like a Tuesday from a Sunday before you even start realizing the injuries that's right, going right. on. And, and you're right. This was definitely a uh, an NFLPA was worried the guys weren't going to catch paychecks, right? That's right. why they didn't just cancel this game. Well, I didn't say cancel it. I just said reschedule it. But don't give us a non-paid week. We still have to come to work every week. We just couldn't play the game because of health reasons. Not that we didn't want to play or people just – didn't want to come to the game. Everybody wanted to play the game, but how do you play a game with 22 guys on COVID? And I thought um, from, like, the CDC people, I thought it was, like, 10 days of quarantine once you get COVID. Now all of a sudden it's, uh, you get COVID, now it's uh, two negative tests, and, and now you're good to go. So it's just it's super weird to me. I don't understand how they came to that conclusion. Um, I thought a better solution would just be, uh, instead of the game, uh, instead of the season ending on whatever date that it is, just push it back another week. Hey, Kelsey, I know this affected the head coach for you guys when we played last. Is it still – what is what is the deal with COVID down there in Dallas right now? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's pretty much back to normal. They took extra precautions this week, and they're holding all of their meetings virtual and – because I think that we're seeing that a lot of the NFL, it feels like more so than not, is being impacted by this right now. So if the team had their own little bow with it like two weeks ago, and they are just locking it down extra hard to make sure they don't run into those same problems again. So it's I would say for all intents and purposes, it's it's back to normal for the Cowboys. I mean, I think there's like Tristan Hill, like a couple guys that are on the list right now, but nothing where I think people are – super, super concerned about it truly impacting and creating a massive drop-off in the play this team can put on the field come Sunday. 
Kelsey, it feels like it's been a long time since I mean, this Dallas team is really relying on his defense now. Uh, and I'm surprised by that. It, it's been a while since that's kind of been the thing. It, part of that, it, it feels like, at least from the outside looking, that Dak's still not right with the leg and that, that they're still trying to get some continuity going. But but they got some big animals back on that defensive line. Uh, I have to imagine they're excited about it. Yeah, I mean, it is a very weird feeling as a Cowboys fan to sit here and talk about the defense carrying the team. I don't think we've been in a position like that since DeMarcus Ware was on the sidelines. And, you know, it really is, like, shocking, right? you you got a rookie coming in who's being compared to LT. And quite honestly, like, a lot of people who would typically scoff at such a comparison are nodding their heads and saying, like, hey, listen, like, maybe not yet, but, like, if he keeps going, like, I can't necessarily deny it. And it's a crazy place to be. The secondary has always been a storyline of why does this front office not invest? And then you have Trayvon Diggs, who's just, again, another animal. And, and, and even guys like Anthony Brown, who have just been, you know, kind of members of the team are having career seasons. And so, yeah, and that's not even talking about the guys up front that you mentioned. You know, you've got Demarcus Lawrence back in the mix and then Randy Gregory's incredible. I mean, how do you even – it's a pick-your-poison type of situation, if you will, it feels like with this defensive unit. So it's definitely been impressive, to say the least. Now, Chris, you're a former Penn State guy, right? Where, where did the league get it wrong uh, with Parsons? I mean, he went early, but, I mean, if you do a redraft, he's going higher, right? Oh, without a question. Uh, I think the, the biggest question mark um, – uh, from his perspective, was uh, Kenny cover and play linebacker. And then once you put his hand in the dirt and just made him an every-down lineman, it was like, oh, my God, who is this pastor specialist that we have? So, um, you know, the Cowboys lucked up and took a chance, and, you know, that chance is really paying off for them because there's nothing this guy really can't do. Um, I saw him on ESPN the other day, or, or maybe Twitter, he was in coverage and wound up playing cornerback. But he had one guy and switched off to the other guy and made the play in the corner of the end zone. It was like, oh, my God, like this guy is like, oh, yeah. if you put him, he'll be okay. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it, and I don't really think that many have. I mean, like you just mentioned, I don't think a lot of people – I actually interviewed his coach like right after he was drafted, his position coach for Penn State. And, you know, he should have told us. He was like, listen, this guy is special. And – we all know that the Cowboys really wanted like the Patrick Sertans and like that was like a, a target that we kept on hearing over and JC Horn. Right. And, and I, and it was like a, it, it was kind of a surprise when you brought this guy in. And like you said, he, he kind of can do everything. He's over the middle. He can, you know, put his hand on the ground and, and make an impact on the outside. You wouldn't look at him and say, Oh, you've never done this before, at least on a regular basis. Like he's, incredible it's unbelievable i was actually kind of nervous because you know he was a blitzer at penn state for the most part but to really just see him like if he actually played defensive end the whole he probably have 20 sacks right now <laughs> like, he played, he's played the end sparingly and got 10 sacks you know and wow. now they're able to use him in a, as a middle linebacker and blitzing him and putting on one-on-one -on -one coverage with uh um uh a, a running back having to block him and he's just killing it yeah <laughs> It's, it's and, and was that because they is that because they needed him in, in there, Kelsey? Did they luck into kind of figuring out 
how to move him around like that? Or had that been the, the plan the whole time? Because I know he was doing more work on that line with some of the injuries that they had. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not 100% sure because here's the thing. When you have a coach like Dan Quinn, like his 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 history and where he started was in D-line, you know? Like that's kind of like what he started in the, in the industry as. And so I think that he has enough tenure, has enough experience and, you know, feels empowered to be creative here in Dallas that that could have been part of the plan to see looks like that this season from him. But I do think you hit the nail on the head in terms of there was some necessity there as well. When you lose DeMarcus Lawrence for X amount of games, you lose Randy Gregory. Like you need like some kind of something on the outside and they're like, okay, well, we were thinking about doing this anyways. Like we might as well just like give it a shot. And then they give it a shot and they're like, oh, all right. Like, we'll like, well, why not keep going? Like, let's, let's do this for a minute. So I definitely think it was always part of the plan to have that look available. I just don't think it was going to be like as often as maybe, you know, we expected just due to injuries. You mentioned Dan Quinn. I mean, what a year season makes because this, I mean, there, there are a couple of new pieces on the defense, but not a ton. The, the big addition is the coach. What, what has he brought that the guy last year maybe didn't have? <laughs> an actual plan. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of like, and I don't, I, I joke, but like, it was a little alarming when you felt like you couldn't get concrete answers. And then the players started saying how they felt confused and there weren't answers about as to what they were doing. And so I think that that was at its core, one of the major problems. I think with Dan Quinn though, too, he brings a lot of, in like culture, or quite frankly, to the team. Like he's in the mix. Like, he is down there in the drills with guys, like putting on like all the gear, like he had a helmet on a couple weeks ago. And I'm just, I think that these players have totally bought into him and his coaching style. I think he cares a lot about them as people, but then I also think he empowers them to be great. And I think that there's a pro and a con to that. It's obviously paying off right now because you have talented guys that when you let them run and be aggressive and, and, and be great, like the Micah Parsons, the Trayvon Diggs, like they they can make big plays. But let's also not forget that in doing that, there is a bit of a risk-reward factor. And this Dallas Cowboys defense still is giving up significant chunk plays, which, you know, it hasn't hurt them to the extent that it could yet, but it still is a bit of a – Achilles heel is the wrong way of putting it, but it could be a bit of a blueprint for a team to try to exploit and say, hey, okay, like – we're going to keep testing and see how consistently you can come through on these big plays because there's a chance you won't, and we can capitalize off of that. Chris, I'm curious. We were talking about that scheme. What What is more important, the scheme or the talent? I mean, we're talking about the defensive coordinator there, you know, and being more hands-on. What, what is more important to you guys, the talent? Like when you look next to is it the talent or the position the coaches put you in to succeed? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both because – the scheme definitely plays a, a major part in your success on the football field, just having the coach being able to put you in the right positions and with the right calls. But at the at the end of the day, you need players that can make plays. And 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 Cowboys are having so many guys just make plays. And they're giving up a bunch of stuff on defense, but at the end of the day, they might march the uh, ball all the way down the field, and then next thing you know, there's a sack force fumble. There's an a intersection by Diggs, and and that makes up for all the hitting yardage that you've given up. You know what I mean? So um, it's a little bit of both. You, you definitely need players 
to go out there and make plays, but you definitely need a coach to really put you in the right position. But a lot of times, uh, coaches get a lot of credit for great calls, but it's just the player just going out there and making a play, and it made the call a great call. <laughs> Kelsey, what are the players saying as far as the impact goes between the two phenoms this year, Michael Parsons and you mentioned Diggs, both of them having incredible years. Yeah. Uh, when you stack them up, what, what are the players talking about with those guys? I mean, they just – they they're again, it's easy to say this – we had a bit of a slump, but like when you're winning and you're kicking butt and you are, you know, on the up and up, like they have been the last couple of games, like finally getting back out of that, you know, uh, I, I mean, the, the offense, we can talk about that in a minute, but still like the vibes are high and people are excited about it and people are having fun and they're gassing each other up. Like they're, it's, they're enjoying it. I think that, you know, I don't think you. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think it's fun too, because like the defense you have leaders like Demarcus Lawrence who are back, and he and Dak had a bet about you know which t which side of the ball can have either more touchdowns or more takeaways, and like things like that. I you know in my experience being around this team for you know a couple a couple years now, you don't have those types of things that at least are publicly said and enjoyed when the team isn't having success. So it feels like everyone's kind of on top of the world right now, or at least hopeful and feeling like they're positioned and have the capability to do big things. There are definitely some areas though, like the outside of the defense need to be tightened up. Well, let's get there. You, you brought up the offense. It's electric. I mean, I'm not a Cowboys fan, but it's got to easily be the best receiving core in the NFC, if not the league. I mean, they're loaded. Uh, the two running backs, Zeke, obviously isn't quite right, but you're glad to have him and rather than not have him. Right. Uh, when Tony Pollard's back, I mean, this is supposed to be a high-flying offense. What's kind of been the reason that it hasn't been such? I think everyone's kind of scratching their head and trying to figure that out themselves because, like you said, on paper, there's no reason why we shouldn't just be blowing everyone out of the water. I say we as if I play for the team. but like, You know what I mean? Like, these guys are incredible. Like, it's a it, – even last year when you first got all these guys in the door, like, having CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, and then Michael Gallup, like that's a that's a potentially a 3,000-yard wide receiver core, right? And then you have the two-headed backfield with Tony Pollard. They're different styles of backs, but Tony Pollard's a number one back on some other teams, right? Like he is good enough for that. So it's, it's, a, it's a little scary when you have such talent on the field and it just doesn't click. And I think there's been talk about these wide receivers, maybe not having the cleanest routes or finishing the routes or, you know, doing like yards after catch has been an issue too. Um, CeeDee Lamb had a terrible game this past weekend. He owned it himself. But then also looking at Dak, like you mentioned, there's some speculation that maybe he's either not mentally 100% back or whatever it is, but there's some errant throws and things that he's done that are just even out of character for him. And I guess I'm not sure the answer to that because it feels like they have every reason in the world to, you know, be firing on all cylinders. I will say though, these running backs have been dealing with their injuries. Zeke has been playing injured for a while now. And, you know, Chris, I think you guys know better than anyone, um, especially at this point of the season, no one's hundred percent healthy. You're being sure. hit like uh, with a Mack truck just in practice alone, not even talking about real life games. And so, when he actually is dealing with this like pretty significant injury and he's just playing through and through, I don't think you can expect him to be a hundred percent, but Tony Pollard had the plantar fasciitis and hopefully it sounds like that's kind of taken care of. And he came back this last week. And so it feels like they at least have 
enough to piece together a, a decent run game that can't be ignored. So, you know, who knows? I don't have the answer. I wish I did. I think this whole team does because it seems like they should be doing a lot better than they are offensively. Chris, two games in three weeks. What are you able to glean as a player from the game that they just played coming into this game? Will there be things that you'll remember from last game? Do all things get thrown out and a new game plan gets put together? What kind of is the plan there from a player's perspective, particularly when you just saw these guys, you know, a couple weeks ago? Um, I think you just throw away what just happened in the last game. And being that we have to play so quick, is I don't think the guys had an off day. They just came right in and just start preparing for the next team. So, um, you know, you look at the game plan that we had, you see what guys that we have available, and then we see what exactly what kind of game plan the coaches can put together. Because in the NFL, you know, even though it is a lot of COVID stuff, but there's injuries that happen every day, and it's always the next man up. So the next man has to step in and just uh, go out there and compete and do the best that he can. And um, that's up for the GM to, you know, build a roster where they have good backups. So in this situation when your starters are out, the guys who step in and replace them can go out there and do a good job. Um, but I, I feel like uh, Washington feels like they could play with uh, Dallas. There was no reason why we couldn't have won that game outside of Michael Parsons just wrecking things for us in the first half. And they scored, what, like 14 points on defense or put the offense in position and scored. Yeah almost 28 points in the first quarter. And then our defense just stepped up and kept their offense out of the end zone and, and forced them to kick field goals. But if it wasn't for that, it could have easily been 28 nothing early. And um, so it's just a matter of us going out there competing, uh, not turning the ball over, and really identifying the key guys on um, Dallas's defense and staying away from them. We have to figure out where Michael Parsons is every time he lines up. Make sure someone is signed to him so he doesn't wreck the game again. <laughs> and and throw a couple of chips his way too, please. Something. Well, it's uh, kind I, of hard to chip him when they start well, running them up in the middle because now you got your your right. defense ends on each side. So now they just line them up wherever they might line them up over a guard. They might line them up over a center, and they might you know use the defense alignment to do like a pirate scheme and have them loop around and and and, and create a one on one matchup with a running back in. He's killing tackles. Can you imagine what he's doing against running backs? <laughs> and, yeah, and that's the beauty being able to send him up through the middle, right? They, they used right. to send him on the edges and now be able to bring him up through the middle. Because I'm curious what the fan base was thinking. We Both head coaches brought in uh, at the same time. We brought in Ron Rivera, you guys, Mike McCarthy, both, both uh, second stops. I know the fan base here was kind of torn. Uh, lots of people like new flashy things. Uh, but there's something to be said for somebody that's been around for a while. What what was the the thought there on Mike McCarthy, and, and has it changed in his second year there? Yeah, I mean, initially there was a weird transition. It was almost like uh, we had Jason Garrett here, and it was kind of like it felt like we were like leading him on, like, oh hey, like I might want to reconcile with you, like TBD, but I'm also talking to this girl over here on the side. And then you bring in McCarthy, like, Hey, we've, we've hired him. Like, this is what's happening. And it was a very weird, like transition. I think people were excited though, because obviously he had success, right? This man has won a Super Bowl in our stadium and he's, he's obviously been able to groom quarterbacks um, and do a lot of significant things. I actually think at this point, uh, it, I don't know. I think there's some, there were some skeptics out there, but they were few and far in between. 
then when the team started struggling, they were like, what is going on? You know, like we brought this man in, like what's happening. And I think also too, like Cowboys fans and, and I think fans in general, when you make a change, they want success like that. And I just don't think that's realistic. I think it takes a couple of years to be able to implement a system, especially during COVID. I mean, all the pivots and things that you've had to do, I mean, it's been, it's, it's an up, uphill battle, right? Um, but I honestly have to tell you guys, I think the, the whole Mike McCarthy narrative has flown under the, under the radar because there's been a lot of talk and focus on the coordinators with Kellen Moore and the beginning of the season. And everyone's like, let Kellen cook. Like, we're so excited for him and he's creative. He's a mastermind. Like we don't want to lose him to Boise. Like, God forbid, and then and then he you know makes some questionable play, questionable play calls, and then everyone's like now solely focused on Dan Quinn, like protect Dan Quinn at all costs. So I think that I would actually say that McCarthy deserves more credit than he gets because he's the one who's you know bringing all these puzzle pieces in the door and then empowering them to do their jobs. And ultimately, head coach, like everything stops and ends with you. So um, you know, I think that. It's it's a weird place to be when you're talking so much about Dan Quinn and wondering if he's even going to be here next year and even, you know, sometimes Kellen Moore. But I think people are are happy about what's going on and what's happening with, you know, the changes that Mike McCarthy has brought in the building. Is Kellen Moore, is Kellen Moore being too cute at the end of games? <laughs> I mean, is that – I mean, I was watching the other day. To, I mean, in both of those games, the uh, – was the Saints game, I suppose, and then – even with our game, they, he kept throwing in the in the second half, and I was surprised. Uh, is he frustrating people with that? Yeah, it's funny you say that um, because I think the answer is again, like it feels like a fickle answer. I people were tired of Jason Garrett's play calling; they thought it was vanilla, and they were bored by it. And they're like, "We are so done with this." Making you know, even now, like they're making jokes about when he was the OC over it, you know, with the Giants, and that didn't last long, right? And, and then you get a young guy in the door who's trying to be all creative and do X, Y, Z. And, you know, I think it kind of harkens back to what we talked about with this defense, where you let them play, you let them be aggressive, but that could also burn you as well, right? And I think that's kind of what you're seeing with Kellen and his play calling. Like, it's not working completely 100% all the way. But if you want to be different, be aggressive, be creative, I don't think you can expect that. Um, so... He's definitely taking some flack, though. It's pretty funny on game days to get my mentions. And I'm like, if I could just show you guys, like, a side-by-side -side comparison of what you were saying literally no less than two months ago, like, Kellen the God, and now you're like, take him. I hope he goes to Duke. Does Duke want to talk to him? We would love for Duke to talk to him. And I'm like, y'all need to calm down. Like, genuinely calm down. So Yeah, but that goes back to what I said earlier. It's like coaches make uh... – they call a certain play when it's up to the players to make the play. And when the yeah. players make that play, the coach looks like a genius, you know? Yes. And it's like, is Dak struggling? Yeah, without a question. But at the same time, if Dak is able to complete those throws or if they're able to uh, finish those runs off the right way, now Kellen Morris looks like, you know, God's savior to football. But it's, yep. it's always the players to make the play. The players make the coaches look good. It's just – the uh, coach's job to put players in the right uh, position to make those plays. 100%. And let's finish up like this. Kelsey, if they'll be prohibitive favorites to win the game on Sunday, if they lose, I mean, okay. what, what will it be? What will be the reasoning that uh, they don't pull this one out on Sunday? Honestly, just this is such a cliche answer, but execution. Again, this team, there's really, you know, I, I think it – you, the Washington football team is, is, is at a disadvantage right now. 
Like they lost like a significant amount of players to COVID. They, you know, coming off of a short week, I actually, for the record, applaud Ron Rivera for doing the whole bench thing. I think it's a bit of a show, but I feel like when your team is in the position that it is right now, where it's just like, it's struggling. You have like what a 6% chance to make the playoffs. Like now is the time to be a showman. Now's the time to revitalize your team. So I think that there's every reason why the Cowboys should win this game. I thought there was every reason why the Cowboys should have just kicked the Broncos and it shouldn't have even been a thing and look what happened there. So it really is to me is, is it's down to fundamentals for this offense. Like, can this, can this offense like actually execute, execute their game plan? And, you know, can the defense continue to put them in position to do just that? Um, I'll say one more thing because I know that you know kickers were pretty important in, in the last meeting that we had, and I think divisional games you throw a lot of these you know, stats and things out the window because I just don't don't think they super apply as much. It's just a different atmosphere. But Greg Zerline also needs to you know tighten up. Like you know I, we just can't have these positions that we're in where if we need to make the extra point or, or make the field goal, like he has to be that guy that just gets the job done because. It really just needs to be a clean game across the board. Execution is going to be key, and they should easily get the win. But we all know that that's never how it goes down. Watch out. Watch out. Ain't no easy wins in Washington. And, and Swaggy, I was going to say, if, if they pull this one out, how do we do it on Sunday? Oh, man, we got to control the ball on offense. Um, you know, it's easy for us to say, hey, we got to play great defense. But, you know, after watching – Last night's game, it's like I got more scratches in my head about our defense because we gave up over 250 yards rushing. That's not a recipe to win. And now you turn around and have a short week, and then we lost a lot of key guys to injury in that game alone. Uh, so it's just a matter of what can we do, what guys do we have available, and how are we going to make this work. But, you know, the keys to victory every week is run the ball on offense, stop the run on defense. And if we can do that, I think we'll have a good recipe to beat Dallas. You know, if we could really uh, gut their run game down and force Dak to throw, which he hasn't been that great at doing these last few weeks ever since he came back from the calf injury, um, I think that'll help us win the game. But if we turn that ball over and give Dak a short field, you know, he can easily, you know, turn that game around and score a touchdown and then have their field goal kicker in position and make kicks and, they play inside in Dallas, so it should be easier for you to make uh, kicks there. So we have to really uh, put them in long yardage situations, third and long. And if they do have to kick a, a field goal, hopefully it's a 50-yard field goal, 48-yard field goal, and maybe it go wide left, wide right. But Don't we have put to it on us. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll be real, though. Like, genuinely, I I, I think that they're going to split the series, just to be totally frank. I think that's just yeah. kind of how it goes down. It, again, like divisional games, like that's seriously how it goes. So while I think that there's every reason why the Cowboys quote should win and it should be like handedly, I'm I'm not expecting them, them to 100% be able to make that happen. So here we are. <laughs> Kelsey, thanks so much for joining us today. Tell the folks at home where they can find you and what you got coming up on the uh, podcast at the it, it Night Show. Yeah, you can find me. I'm on uh, Twitter at Kelsey underscore Charles. I'm also on Instagram at Hey, Kelsey Charles. We've got the Star at Night show. It is on Valley Sports Southwest, or you can find it on DallasCowboys.com on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Then Girls Talking Boys with SB Nation uh, with the Blog and the Boys platform airs every Friday. So uh, thanks for having me, guys. It was fun. Yeah, it was. And Chris, we'll see you on Monday. Oh, yeah. I'll see you on Monday, man, after we beat Dallas. Ah! <laughs> there I you go. It. I love Bye. it.
All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, y'all.